Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first service here at SIBKL. I pray you are well. I hope you're doing okay. It is my privilege to bring to you the Word of God this evening. And we are days of uh, fast and prayer. It's about, um, don't know what day it is, but I hope uh, you've been following us. I hope you've been doing a little devotional. You've been joining our prayer altars. And if you haven't already, uh, get connected to it. Put in a chat, uh, um, chat, say, hey, I would like to participate in this, and I'm sure somebody will help you out. But we, we have been in a season of uh, incredible breakthroughs already. There's been challenges, but there have also been breakthroughs. I wish I could have had a time to tell you some of the awesome testimonies that have already been uh, coming out. But one great testimony is a staff um, sister, uh, you know, who got into an accident. She went. She was in a coma for a while. She didn't look good, but now she has actually come out of the coma, and we are believing. That's a breakthrough right there. You know, so I want you to believe that God can indeed move in your life. These stories can also be your story, right? So uh, praise God for that. Now today we are in still in our Nehemiah series, and. I'm going to preach to you from the title of Building to Last, and it is taken from Nehemiah chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles with you, it is going to be on the screen, but I encourage you to read it from your Bibles. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 says this, right? We're going to read the whole chapter of Nehemiah chapter 8. It's not going to be a long one. Let's read this together. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women of, and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra, the scribe, stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Metitiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah. To, left, to his left stood Pedaliah, Mishael, Makilja, Hashem, Heshbadana. Zechariah and Meshulam, that's a verbal workout right there. Ezra stood on the platform, verse 5, in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Joshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jemin, Acab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabet, Hanan, and Peliah then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is the sacred day before the Lord your God. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. And Nehemiah continued, 
Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you believe that, put in the chat, say amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. We're almost there. Verse 13. The, on October 9, the family leaders of all the people together with the priests and Levites met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in great detail. As they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were to use these branches to make shelters in which they lived during the festival as prescribed in the law. So the people went out and cut branches and used them to build shelters on the roofs of their houses, in the courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival. They were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days of the festival. Then on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly as was required by the law. Praise God. Your Nehemiah is a book all about building, right? Building the walls and all that. So we have been on the series. Now we are at the eighth chapter. Last week, we heard a message from Pastor Chu, uh, People Matter to God. This week, we are going to look at the theme of building as well. And in this, as in, this, in this sense, what we're talking about building, it's not a physical building, but it is building ourselves, building the people, right? So Nehemiah wasn't just rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He was also rebuilding the people of Israel. So today when I mess with the message, with the title, Building to Last, it is about building, what can we build that would actually go beyond us? What can we build that will last a long time? I'm sure, like ma many of us here, I'm sure we would actually want to build something that will last multiple generations, not just do well for a little while and then crumble. Whether it's our business, whether it's our ministry, whether it's even our families, I'm sure we would love to build a heritage and a legacy that would outlive us and that will last a long time time. And with anything, when you're building something, the most important thing that you must do is lay the foundation, right? So here's a principle for you. The principle of people, project, and then place. People, project, and place. Building a foundation, or ultimately what we should first start on, is building the people, building ourselves and building those around us. If you want your family to do well, you have to build and sow into them. If you want your business to do well, you have to get a good team, build the right team. If you want your ministry or church to do well, you have to build the people spiritually. Now, throughout Scripture, we see this principle happen across people, projects, 
project and place. We think, I think about Joseph. Before he was in the palace, God had to build him through the pit and the prison. I think about even David. Before he became the king, he was given the, you know, a kingship. Before the place, before even the project, before he fought Goliath, God was building him and training him as a shepherd boy. I think about Jesus. Before he actually came into public ministry, he was in obscurity for 30 years in a place of preparation. God builds people first before He releases them into their destiny. And that's how God wants to bring about His plan because whenever God has a plan, He finds a man or a woman, right? Sorry, it just doesn't rhyme, but you get the point. God builds. And here, the script from Nehemiah 8, I want to encourage us how we can build something to last and how we ought to build ourselves and the people around us. So the first point is this. In order to build to last, we must build revelationary. What do I mean by that? Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27 says this. Anyone, this is Jesus speaking, who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The question is not if the storm will come. The question is what are you building yourself on? The storms of recession will come. The storm of pandemic has hit us. The storm of a health crisis in your family will come. Storms and things like that can come. Now you see, God doesn't promise us that we will be storm free, but we can be storm proof. And how do we do that? Is when we build ourselves on the Word of God. So I've got three three sub-points based on Nehemiah chapter 8 on how we can build revelationary. The first thing we have to do is revere the Word. Revere the Word. You see, in verse 5, the people stood when the book of law was opened. There was reverence there. And in verse 6, they lifted their hands and bowed down as the Word of God was read to them. We have to revere the Word of God. What does that mean? That means we don't treat the Word of God as common. We don't treat it with skepticism. We don't treat now. I recognize that there are times where we will have questions and there's nothing wrong to ask questions. There's nothing wrong to understand the Bible a little bit. But at the end of the day, whenever we hear the Word of God, whenever we read the Word of God, whenever a sermon is preached to us, it is not a suggestion where it goes, I suggest you do this. Or it is not a nice insight or nice sayings or a little soothing podcast on our way to work. No, it is words that we have to live and abide by because we revere it. When you revere something, you will pay special attention to it. That's what Jesus said, that if you want to be storm-proof, you don't just have to hear the Word, you have to apply the Word. You have to revere it. You have to look at the Word of God and understand that this is not man's Word about God. It is actually God's Word 
to man. Now, I don't know about you. If, you, if, God, if I said God wants to speak to you, you will be like, yes, I want to listen. Well, God has already spoken to you and is still speaking to you. I often tell people this, right? Don't say God is not speaking to you and yet your Bible is closed. Or don't say God is speaking to you and yet your phone is turned off, however you read the Bible. God is speaking to us and He continues to speak to us. We have to have reverence for the Word of God. Now listen to this really carefully. The Word of God should not be interpreted through our understanding and experiences. Our understanding and experiences should be understood through the filter of Scripture. We don't allow what's happening around us to now come doubt or to um, cast uh, this unbelief onto the Word of God. No. We allow the Word of God for us to be a lens to see how can we discern the times? How can we read? How can we understand what we are ought to do? You know, if we want revivals, you know, when we talk about revival, there has to be a renewed reverence for the Word of God. If we want revivals, we, there must be a renewed reverence for the Word of God. Revival is not so much us packing buildings Right? That is actually quite impossible in this point of time and not advisable as well. Even though we cannot pack buildings, but you know what we can do? We can fill our hearts with the Word of God. Maybe this is the time where God is not looking for His building to be filled, but God is wanting His people to be filled with the world and then to be sent out and to live as salt and light. Will we have reverence for the Word of God? It's all there. You don't need a big sign. You don't need the heavens to part open. It's all there. Just read it, apply it, believe it. The second thing of building revelationary is this. We must realize or learn the Word. Because in verse 8, it says that the priest explained the meaning of the Scripture that was read. Now, coming together and coming to the time of, word, the, the, of church and all that, it's very important that the Word of God is preached. Now, I, I, I have a confession to make, okay? So for me, like when I listen to, to speakers or to preachers, the one thing that kind of bothers me is not so much if they are boring. Um, what really gets me is that sometimes, you know, I, I listen to a lot of sermons. Sometimes I listen to sermons. I hear sermons and... It's just like, there's a lot of jokes. Am I, la am I laughing? I love it. I love all the illustrations. There's a lot of jokes and all that. And it goes, you know, after a while, after it's preached and all that, I feel good. I feel happy. But then when I reflect and I think about it, was the Word of God preached? Was the Word of God spoken? Because let me tell you, we should not undermine or underestimate the value of studying and learning the Word of God. Now, studying or learning the Word of God is not so that we can now go and flex or show off at a Bible study. That is besides the point. But learning the Word of God is feeding our soul, feeding our spirit. Because in this time and age, right, if you want to build something to last, you have to feed yourself the right things. Simple illustration, if you want to be healthy, you got to eat good food. You can't eat junk food for the rest of your life. And if you want to be spiritually resilient and last a long time, you got to feed yourselves the Word 
of God. And think about this, eating and feeding doesn't have to be exciting all the time. Not all our meals are gourmet buffets or special cuisines and all that. When we're hungry, it's time to eat, we eat. Whether it's just a simple loaf of bread, whether it's just rice and soup, we eat, right? And it's the same thing when it comes to the Word of God. Whenever we gather in a context like this online or in your homes or in churches, wherever, whenever the Word of God is preached, whether you've heard that verse one time, hundred times, one thousand times, it is still feeding because we first must have reverence and then we must realize the importance and learn what the Word of God is saying to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The third thing about building revelationary is this, rejoice because of the word. In verse 10, the priests urged the people because they were weeping and they were mourning when they're hearing the word of God. Not because it was really, really boring or anything like that, but it's probably because they felt bad. They felt because they realized of their sin and how they had fallen short of the glory of God and they were in a spirit of repentance. But then Nehemiah and Ezra and the priests urged the people, rejoice. Now is not the time to weep, rejoice for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to ask you today, what is the source of your joy? What is the source of your joy? And I'm not talking about happiness. There is a big difference between happiness and joy. Big difference. Happiness is fleeting because it's based on events, right? One day I could be happy, somebody might have given me money out of nowhere, I'm happy. Somebody bought me a meal, I'm happy, right? The stock market is up, I'm happy. My football team won, I'm happy. But things can go wrong and then I will lose my happiness. But joy is different. Joy is not fleeting, it is lasting. And happiness is very circular because it's based on certain events around there, but joy is spiritual, right? So when, when I ask you what's your source of joy, because a lot of times we rely on our source of happiness to feed us joy, right? If we invest in a lot of um, stocks and all that, when we look at the stock market, our happiness goes up. But then when it drops, right, our happiness decreases. If we are a big sporting fan, we, when our team is doing really well, we will be very happy. Or when we look at our, stu our kids' report cards, we'll be happy. Or when the girl that you like texts you back, finally, you're happy, but then when she ghosts you and ignores you, you're sad. But what I'm, not, what I'm talking about is not happiness, it's joy. Joy through the seasons, through ups, through downs, through thick, through thin. Come hell or high water, you have the joy of the Lord. What is the source of that joy? It is the Word and the revelation of God. Not even ministry, not even church experience, because if the church experience is the source of our joy, right now, we will be very gloomy, because we can't gather like this. We can't gather like how we used to. We don't have big events to feed us adrenaline, but when the Word of God is the source of your joy, the Word of God that is true yesterday, today, and forevermore, the Word of God that is still relevant for 
as the Word of God, that, are, that is the promises of God. Man, the promises of God, where we stick to that, when we hold our life, where we build our life on that, we will have everlasting joy. You know, John Piper says this, when Satan huffs and puffs and tries to blow out the flame of your joy, you have endless supply of kindling in the Word of God. What is the source of your joy? Right now in the chat, say, man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you are sitting at home, ask your neighbor next to you, your husband who is probably sleeping right now, or your kids who are running about, catch them by the neck and ask them, what is shake them? What is the source of your joy? And tell them, the Word of God is our source. Amen? The Word of God. The Word of God is available throughout. You may not be able to come to church, but you have the Word of God wherever you are. Praise God. Now, the second thing of building to the last is this, building relationally. Building relationally. Where did I get that from? In Nehemiah 8 verse 12, they were command, the people were commanded to share a festive meal together. That is a picture of fellowship. That is a picture of community. And in verse 17, they were told to build shelters and tents to celebrate this festival. And they all stayed together and had a really big celebration, so big that the Bible says that it has not been, there's been nothing this big since the days of Joshua. And you know what this is? This is a picture, an image. Where look at that. Modern, our modern day contents will be church camps. And I don't know about you, but uh, I know some of y'all, you don't like church camps, right? Because you're like, oh, so yucky, all the bunks and all the bit, all, all the, the, the disgusting dorms and all that kind of stuff. But right, if you've been to a church camp, now the young people love it, right? It, it's, it's such a, a precious time because we come together, we worship together, we play games together, right? We, we eat together and all that. A lot of times people think, right, the church element, the spiritual thing is all, is, is the worship or the word. You know what, what the spiritual thing is as well? Building relationships. That's spiritual. Being in a community. That's spiritual, right? Well, the one thing I, I miss about uh, church, you know, it's great worshiping online. So if I want to, uh, if I want to encourage you, right, there is actually nothing like coming here and worshiping physically. So if you have the opportunity, uh, come and do so, right? Our second and third service are already open for physical uh, meetings and eventually in a very, very soon time, our first service, this service will be open as well. There's nothing like that. But beyond just the live worship and the live um, sermon, what I really miss is the human element, the fellowship, um, and it's just you know, the, 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 the fact of that we are around people. Right? That's spiritual as well. That's spiritual as well. See, Nehemiah commanded the people to do that, to go into that. And this is a picture of relationship. Whatever that we want to build, we have to build based on relationship. We have to build people and the economy of people, the economy of the kingdom of God is relationship. Uh, you know, if you don't talk about jobs, right? think about jobs for a moment. Uh, you know, in a job, there is a big difference between people moving on and leaving. Big difference. People move on because maybe, you know, they have been called somewhere else or they want to explore other opportunities. But usually a moving on is not because of anything personal. They just have other objectives or other things drawing them. But then there are people who leave, 
right? And I've, I've read some articles and also talked to some people. You know, people don't leave uh, bad jobs. They leave bad bosses. Do you know that? Or they leave toxic environments, environments where they feel like, you know, they're not, being, they're not able to fit in, they're not, be, they're not able to grow. So if you want to think about your business, can I encourage you, build people. You want to think about your families, you have to build your children and your spouse as well. This applies to both husband and wife. You got to build them. You don't just provide for them, you have to relate to them. Here's a quote for you, right? Here's a thought. Rules can only be understood and fully embraced in the context of relationship because rules without relationship leads to rebellion. That's why when you want to preach to people, when you want to witness to people, you don't first tell them all the things they are doing wrong in their lives, right? You don't just go up to them and you tell them, see, that's my philosophy in ministry. Introduce them to Jesus first. Once they've got their relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, uh, I don't believe in this phrase where Christianity is a uh, relationship, not a religion and all that kind of stuff because, man, even relationships have rules, right? Ask your spouse, are there rules in this relationship? Can you imagine if you said, well, honey, we're married, there are no rules, right? So I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I like. I can spend money however I want. How many of you know that it doesn't work that way? But the key thing is when there are rules, it can be fully embraced and understood in relationship. Even the Word of God. When you read the Word of God and you see that, oh, you can't do this, you're not meant to do that, or you're meant to do this, or you're meant to do that, and you feel like you need to make yourself do those things, you got a wrong focus. What you need to do is build your relationship with God, and naturally, you will get the revelation that you want to follow these rules. It's like if I love my wife, if I love somebody, I want to please them in all that I do. If I love God, I want to please them, I want to please Him in all that I do. And when we want to build something to last, build relationships. Don't just be a task master. Don't harp on somebody's results. I feel like this is a word for somebody watching at home. Maybe you are a parent and you are very worried about your child. You feel like they're getting wayward. You're nagging them because they are on their phone or on their computer the whole time. And all that. Can I encourage you right now, gently but firmly, don't just talk at them. Talk to them. Relate to them. Build them up, develop that relationship, and then you can start sharing your heart, sharing what you want them to achieve. And even in church, when we build the church right now, in the, even the, during this pandemic and post this pandemic, we have to keep our relationships strong, not just the programs. All this, right? All this, I, I'm thankful for the team here. I'm thankful for all of those of you watching at home. All this is great, but one thing we cannot lose is the element of relationship. Let me show you a scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says this All the believers, this is a picture of the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed 
uh, many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with all those in need. They worshipped together at a temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. One more scripture I want to show you. Sorry, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who have been saved. One more scripture I want to show you, Hebrews 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Look at verse 25. Not giving up meaning together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more you see the day approaching. I want to encourage us, church, as a church family, let's not give up in the meeting together. Yeah, tune in online for service. I understand you got to be wise and all that. But man, don't stop attending your cell's Zoom fellowship, your cell's Zoom prayer. Go out for cell makan in small groups. Organize to meet up with your church friend members and family members. Build relationship. Oh, come on, I want you to light up the chat room and say, build relationship. Tell them, I want to build a relationship right now. Pick up your phone, text somebody, ask them how they're doing. Or right now, if you are a cell leader, organize a makan after this or tomorrow. Let's keep the habit of meeting together. Why? Because together we are stronger. Last week, when Pastor Chu talked about people matter to God, he, he mentioned this phrase, right? Together is together, right? Together is together. We have to stick together because the day draws close and we need to encourage one another and spur one another on. I think, you know, I, 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 the picture that I get is coals. You know coals? Like when um, um, those little black charcoal thingy that gets heat. You know what happens when coals get separated from each other? They become coal. They become coal. It's a joke. Right? But if they were to stick together, even after the flame has been put out for a while, they keep their warm. The embers of each coal brushes off and rubs off of each other. That is the picture of the church. We have to spur each other on. If you are not in a cell, I want to encourage you, join a cell fellowship. Join a ministry. Get connected with us. Don't just watch from afar online. Get connected because that is God's design and that is building to last. My last point is this building to last is building generationally. Where did I get that from? In verse 2, it is said that they get the assembly of hearing um, Ezra speak the word of God involve men and women and all children old enough to understand. That is a picture of building generationally. I'm not going to harp on this point for too long because uh, I've run out of time, or running out of time, but I've also spoken a message uh, recently, earlier this year in March, about building, about raising a godly generation in challenging times. Now, you will see the link right now. If you are interested, if you want to hear practically how can we build the next generation according to the Word of God, I encourage you to tune into this message. 
but I am thankful that God is a God of all generations. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a generational God. I'm thankful that our church is not a young people's church, it's not an old people's church, it is an everybody's church. Everybody belongs in the house of God. So I want to encourage you, build generationally in your business, in your ministry, in your family, Raise the young. Don't neglect the old, but raise the young. So into them. Now, I want to also specially mention those of you who are watching online right now. I want to show you these two links. It's a link to our next-gen ministry, our youth and our college and university ministries. Be a part. They are already meeting uh, physically as well as online. Get connected. If you have children, if you yourself are part of our church and you have not found a community, join there even for our older generation people, our older folks, right? We've got golden eagles and all that. I should have put a link somewhere, should have thought about it, maybe I'll do it later. But drop us a message, send us a DM on Instagram or whatever. Ask about our ministries because God wants to build generationally. In fact, a lot of times the plan of God surpasses, exceeds one generation. It's all of us coming together to build something that lasts. The last scripture I want to read is Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7. It says this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yes, you must do that. All your soul, all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. But look at verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. The things of God or the principle of building generationally should apply to all of us, whether in our homes, in our ministry, or in our workplaces. Build generationally, so into the people around you. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you're at home right now, I just encourage you to rise to your feet. We're going to close with worship in a short while. Whatever that you are believing for the Lord to do, whether you are rebuilding yourself or whether you're starting a new family or you're raising your family or whether you are now in a period of transition for your business or your ministry, whatever it is, will you apply these three things to build revelationary based on the Word of God, to build relationally, relate. I want to encourage those of you, parents or whoever, it's not too late to start relating to the people around you and beneath you. It may feel awkward or weird at first, but I want to encourage you, don't let that um, stop you. Don't let that, don't let that become an obstacle, but start right now. Even those of you parents who you feel like you can't relate to your children, it's not too late. It's not too late. Start now. And remember, build generationally. Build generation. Praise God. God, I believe that God has called us to build things that will last. Wherever you are, whatever season of life you are in, whether you are a business person, whether you are a family person, or whether you are a church person, whatever it is, I believe God has called us to build and we as stewards should build to last. So I want to pray for each and every one of us right now that we will have this revelation, that we will build on the Word of God. Even in this time of prayer and fasting, don't just take this time to abstain from food. 
use that time or this time to dig deeper into the Word of God. That's what I love about the Word of God. You could never get enough of it. Just when you feel like you know it and then you read it again, the Holy Spirit illuminates it once more. You go, wow, I've not seen it this way. I want to encourage you. Feed yourself with the Word of God. Press in. I also want to encourage you, those of you, I want to pray right now for those of you who have broken down relationships, whether it's between parents and children or spouse or um, brothers and sisters or even in the workplace, whatever it is. If there is some broken relationships right now, could you just lift your hands onto God wherever you are and let me just speak the peace and the intervention of the Holy Spirit into that situation. Come on, let me just pray for you. Jesus, I pray for every relational situation right now. You know the different circumstances or challenges or difficulties that we are in. Lord, I pray that you soften all our hearts. You soften our hearts. You soften the other party's hearts. Lord, I pray that in the next couple of days, may there be a reconciliation. That's why I speak that. May there be a reconciliation between brother, sister, husband, wife, children and parents, colleagues, bosses and um, employees. May there be such a spirit of unity that people will know that your hand is indeed upon them. Just commit that situation right now unto God, whatever it is. Commit your children especially right now. But I want to pray, I just feel led to do this. I want to pray for those of you, I'm talking about building generationally. I want to pray for those of you right now, your, your main challenge is caring for an elderly parent or grandparent. It's like there are times where you feel like, um, you, you don't want to feel this way, but they, they, they are kind of like a burden on you and you feel bad, but then you feel guilty after you feel like they are a burden and it's just this vicious cycle. But I want to encourage you right now. I want to pray for you that God's Spirit will be upon you and that your capacity will be increased. Let me pray for you. Lord, I want to pray for every individual and family who have aging parents or grandparents or relatives living with them. Lord, I ask first and foremost, will you provide for them? May your supernatural provision come into their midst right now. May they have the capacity and the perseverance to continue caring for these um, elderly brothers or sisters or moms and dads or whoever they are caring. Lord, I speak life over them. I speak life. I speak renewed revelation and a renewed love for their family members. Will you sustain them or will you keep them? I feel like there's somebody at home, you, your, your parent had a stroke recently and I want to just believe for healing right now. I feel like your dad is, I don't know why I'm getting this number, but your dad's 59 years old. Uh, whoever that is, I don't know. just want to speak healing right now. Lord, I want to pray for this gentleman who's 59 years old, somewhere in the Patalingjaya area. Lord, I speak healing. Lord, I declare that the effects of the stroke will not take his body, it will not steal his health, but indeed, Lord, his health will be restored, his life will be restored, his years will be extended in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this precious time that we can come together to worship and to hear your word. We give you back all the praise and all the glory. We are thankful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.